Let's go through every single package installed with a Linux install image. I'm going through the software included with Slackware, but these are all open source applications and libraries, so whether you're running Slackware like me, or Fedora, Debian, BSD, or even Mac or Windows, you can probably download, install, and try these on your computer. So chances are, you'll be able to learn something from this podcast. Let's get started. First on the list is GNU Scientific Library, or GSL. I don't know a whole lot about this, just like GMP and GMM. Not really a maths person, but this seems really useful. There's quasi-random sequences, there's random distributions, statistics, histograms, differential equations, uh, interpolation, sorting, permutations, vectors and matrices again. Uh, you, you, you name it, there's a bunch of different things here. So uh, it's it's a library for, for maths. If you have things that you need to do that are more complex than plussing and minusing and multiplying and dividing, this is one of the libraries you could use. Of course, I've already talked about in previous episodes GMM and GMP, so those are other options. But I, I imagine that you would know what you were looking for were you uh, to find yourself in an instance where you need advanced mathematical processes. Okay, so that was all I have to say about GSL. What I do have something to say about, certainly this is more in my within my realm of, of interest and expertise, is uh, GStreamer. GStreamer is, uh, and a, a bunch of GST plugin packages. So GStreamer, you've probably heard of it if you've been using Linux for, for a year or more. GStreamer comes up now and again because it is one of the packages that handles media playback. So you may have seen GStreamer pop up uh, just as GStreamer, but you may have also seen or heard of uh, maybe you've gotten an error on some other distribution that, that GST plugins aren't installed. And there's the, the famous, there's famously three plugin packages that are kind of the, the ones you, you hear about a lot. And those are the good, the bad, and the ugly. GST plugins good, GST, ba- uh, GST plugins bad, GST plugins ugly. I don't actually see that GST plugins ugly is here, so maybe that's maybe that's not a thing anymore, or maybe it uh, just isn't shipping with Slackware. I don't know. Didn't look that part up. But GST plugins are, uh, as the name implies, plugins for a modular system for GStreamer. So let's just talk about GStreamer first, and then we'll kind of briefly mention why um, there need to be plugins. So GStreamer is a multimedia library, and its job is to get media streams from a source of a stream being generated to what is called a sink, S-I-N-K, like a kitchen sink, the sink which consumes that data stream. I find this terminology confusing slash baffling slash obscure. I, I don't understand what it, why the, those are the terms. I don't understand why a sync is a consumer of data, but I'm sure there is a logic to it. I'm sure someone had an idea, but the, the important thing to, to sort of understand here is that GStreamer is taking data as, you know, a stream of, of media from a thing that is producing that stream 
and it is sending it to something that consumes or uses, utilizes that stream, which is different than saying it's taking a data stream from, say, a file and playing it on your speakers or playing it on your screen, because that's, strictly speaking, not what it's doing. GStreamer is taking the stream data and, and piping it to an application that wants to use that data for something. That something could be playback, it could be recording, it could be editing, could be any number of things, I guess, but mostly those three things that come to mind. Now, between those two destinations, those two places, the source and the sink, there can also be filters applied. In other words, on its way from a source to a sink, a stream could be modified. You could send it through a filter that removes all chroma values from the picture. You just get black and white. Or you could send it through a filter that um, maximizes the volume, uh, or raises the volume, applies a gain to the volume. So now you've got something louder, or something that takes the volume and then repeats, you know, takes a sample of, of the stream and then repeats that stream uh, 0.25 seconds after the stream, uh, uh, again, after that has passed. So you've got like an echo effect, and so on. You get the idea, a filter. So that's what GStreamer does. Source to sync with a filter in between. Now, the interesting thing about media files is that they have, or they can have, multiple streams in a file. Now, again, GStreamer isn't necessarily taking a media stream from a file. Quite possibly, it's taking a media stream from a webcam, a microphone, whatever. Something generating a stream, GStreamer can can handle. But assuming for simplicity's sake, we're taking it from a file. Files can have multiple streams all in one file, all in one bucket. It would be like someone handing you a sheet of paper and you look at it and it's nothing but letters and numbers and it's just a big jumble of of, of data. But then they hand you uh, a pair of red tinted glasses and you put those on and it filters out a bunch of the letters and you can now read the the text. You may have seen that as a kid, you know, like when you have secret code cracking things, you have a bunch of nonsense, but then you put the special filters over your eyes and suddenly the, or you, you put the filter over the letters and, and suddenly the, everything in red is filtered out because you're wearing red glasses and so now you can read the other part. And then you take those red glasses off, you put blue glasses on, and now different letters have vanished and you can read a completely different set of text. That's kind of what's going on in, in media files, or can go on in media files. The media file can have data that, if decoded by something that knows what to look for, so something with the red glasses on, would play sound. And then there could be other data that, for something with the blue glasses on, it would play video. Or you could have two sound streams, one for English and, and one for um, Italian, and then the video. And you could have yet another stream for subtitles, and so on. So you can cram all that data into the same file. It's just data, right? Like, all you have to do is, is send it to something that knows what to do with the data, and suddenly it all makes sense. So for that, GStreamer can construct pipelines. When it encounters separate streams in a file, or it's being fed separate streams from different devices, it can formulate the data stream from one place to an, to, 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 to one thing, and then from another source to another sync, or from one source to two sinks, depending on the file, depending on the stream type, 
and so on. So that way you have sound playing through speakers and video playing on screen because your application, of course, knows what to do with those pipelines. There, there is more that, that, that's, there's more terminology within GStreamer, but those are the, the absolute basics. No, actually, there's one more. There's a bus. The bus is, in this one, I, I love the, the, the bus term. It's not specific to GStreamer. It's something in audio a lot as well. Uh, and computing, I guess. But really, I, I don't see it as much in computing. But in, in audio and, and in GStreamer, it comes up a lot. So bus is, I guess electronics as well. Anyway, a bus is a thing, just like in real life, a bus takes you from one street to another street, a bus is is basically that in GStreamer. It it carries messages that GStreamer needs to sort of convey to different parts of GStreamer. Those that that data is is carried over the the bus uh, data type, and that's sort of all we need to know for the real basics. So there's this there's a great tutorial about GStreamer on the I don't know what site this is GStreamer probably GStreamer.freeDesktop.org. So it's a great tutorial. I highly recommend the whole series. It's really really good. I mean honestly, I feel like it's I think it's a good tutorial even if you don't intend to. It kind of assumes that you're going to be programming in C, which I don't even think I I think this is a good tutorial whether you're going to be programming in C or even whether or not you're going to be programming in GStreamer. Like, like I think I feel like just running through this really helps you kind of internalize how all this digital media stuff might work. And and it may not be you know exactly like this for everything, you know, for for all libraries, multimedia libraries. So some of it maybe wouldn't be useful strictly speaking, if you were going to go program with, I don't know, some VLC libraries or something. But still, I think there's there's a lot, there's, there's enough, you know, it, it's still dealing with multimedia. Some of the terminology, some of the functions, that might be different. Um, but, but it still gives you a good idea of sort of the theory behind it all. So it is only like, I don't know, uh, 30 lines, let's say. And it's, I think it's worth it. So we're going to step through it real quick. So the first line is include well, hash include less than bracket gst slash gst dot h greater than bracket. So this just includes the, the, the key file that is required to use the gst libraries, which is the, the big gst header file, and that is located in user include slash gstream dash 1.0 slash gst slash gst dot h, obviously. And, and if you look at that, if you look at that file, it is just a bunch of includes um, of other gst header files. So there's gst uh, binary, GST buffer, GST um, caps, GST clock, GST control source. And so, I mean, like, it, it, it's got to be like 50 lines of of includes. And that's all GST, or basically all GST header is. So it's, it's you're, you're bringing in a bunch of things. You're, you're bringing in most of GST when you include that line. And then we do our first function, which is int tutorial underscore main, uh, parentheses int argc, comma, car, asterisk, argv, square bracket, square bracket, parentheses. Now, this is uh, the argc, the argv, that, that's that's the count of the arguments and and what those arguments are. And ar- by arguments, I mean the things that people ha- may have passed 
to the command that, that they'll use to launch this application, the, the options they may have passed to that. Now, this little demo application that was on the website it doesn't have any arguments, but we're still including the int argc and int argv because by doing so, you you allow your your application to also benefit from any gstreamer options that the user might pass to the command. So that's why those are there, even though it doesn't seem like they would be necessary. Uh, they aren't strictly, but but if you put them there, then you can get gstreamer options for free. All right, curly brace. GST, so we're opening the function now. GST element, um, asterisk pipeline, semicolon. GST bus, asterisk bus, semicolon. GST message, asterisk message, semicolon. He, the, this is building, the, this is specifying the components of our, of, of, of GStreamer. We've got a pipeline, we got a bus, and we got a message. Uh, we got the GST message um, subsystem that we can utilize for like error messages and so on. All right. Next is the probably the the the, the most important line of the of the application is what the website calls it. it. Says this is the reason the tutorial exists. Practically, it's GST underscore init parentheses ampersand argc comma ampersand argv close parentheses close semi or uh, semicolon. So GST init is the thing that 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 auto magically sort of creates the the pipeline like the map from the source to the sink GST init is the thing that builds that for you which is kind of a big deal because otherwise you would have to figure that out and one of the the real benefits of GStreamer is that you don't have to figure that out your user can set their application to Get to, to play sound on their speaker, and when they start GStreamer playing the video through their application, everything just works. It, it, it gets the stream is directed and, and conveyed correctly to the application. The application sends it to their speaker. Everything's fine. So that's GST underscore init. It's a big function, and we didn't have to do any thinking about it whatsoever. So we're eight lines into this application so far, or this code so far. Pipeline equals GST underscore parse underscore launch parentheses quote play bin p-l-a-y-b-i-n that's like play binary uri equals and in this case they just use a uh a centel trailer so uh from the blender group https colon slash slash gstreamer dot free desktop dot org slash data slash media slash centel underscore trailer dash 480p dot web m close quote comma null close parentheses, close semicolon. So again, for free, you don't have to worry about the networking. You don't have to do anything. You All you're saying is play this binary stream from this location, and you're, you're handing it a networked location, an SSL network location, and it, believe it or not, it just works. So this is a big deal. All right, so line, uh, depending on how we break things down, uh, this would be line 10, GST underscore element underscore set underscore state, parentheses pipeline, comma, GST underscore state underscore playing, close parentheses, close semicolon. So you can kind of probably figure that that's it's going to autoplay, right? Because we're, we're setting the state of the GST element to playing. So when we've gotten our pipeline up, then play. Uh, next is bus equals gst underscore element underscore git underscore bus parentheses pipeline close parentheses semicolon message equals gst underscore bus underscore timed 
underscore pop underscore filtered parentheses bus comma gst underscore clock underscore time underscore none comma gst underscore message underscore error pipe gst underscore message underscore eos that's end of stream parentheses uh, semicolon so we're waiting for either something to error out or something to to end the stream there are better ways to do error messages and under the circumstances i'd almost be inclined to just skip over it but they do have one and i'll just read it really quick it's if uh, parentheses gst underscore message underscore type parentheses message equals equals gst underscore message error then or rather curly brace g underscore error that's a glib uh, function uh, parentheses quote an error occurred, rerun with, or is G underscore, yeah, G underscore is glib. Uh, an error occurred, rerun with GST debug, blah, blah, blah. Close parentheses, semicolon, close bracket. So there's an error message. There are better ways to, to handle that, obviously, rather than just sending an error to the, to the, the user. But for this demo, that's the easiest way to, to, to have an error response. Okay, so we've only got about 10 more lines to go maybe and they're short ones so now uh we are we're assuming at this point that the stream is is over so when we're done with everything we can do gst underscore message underscore unref parentheses msg close parentheses semicolon freeing that up gst underscore object underscore unref parentheses bus close parentheses semicolon gst underscore element underscore set underscore state parentheses pipeline comma gst underscore state underscore null close parentheses semicolon so we are we are saying that the stream is is set the state is null now gst underscore object underscore unref pipeline semicolon return zero semicolon close curly brace and that's it that's the function that's the the main function of this application, and then really the only thing left to do are the three final lines, which is just int space main space, again, int argc car argv, open the function with a curly brace, return tutorial underscore main. That's, of course, the function that we just closed, right? That's the that's the, the function. Uh, argc comma argv, and then close int main. And that's it. It's about 27 lines of code. Now, if I go back to the folder where this lives you can try to compile this don't don't try this because it won't work you can tr you can try to compile it as as one might normally try to compile something gcc basic tutorial.c um and then hit return and it, it'll fail it won't find gst gsth so you might think well i'll just include gst.h then i'll specify where that is you do dash capital i slash usr slash include slash gstreamer dash 1.0 slash gst well that wouldn't work either because then gst.h can't find gst slash gst config or, or glib config or something like that or compat.h in short, you'll spend an hour trying to compile this thing, and it won't compile, and then you'll realize that you haven't followed instructions. So it does say compile, but it says compile as described in installing on Linux. If you go read installing on Linux, at the bottom of that, of, of how to install GStreamer, there's a note about issuing this specific command package config and if you don't do that then you have to do it in your compile command and and i for whatever reason yeah uh, by default it does not it will not compile correctly but if you if you reference that package config command in your compiling uh command then then you're fine i i don't understand why that's necessary because like i say i i 
tried the package config command, and I thought that it worked, or, or rather, I thought that it was reporting things that made sense, but apparently not. So the, the, the thing that you need to do is gcc space basic tutorial dot c or whatever you called it. I just called mine basic dot c dash o, and I'll just call it um, my player dot, or no, just my player is what I'll call it. Uh, and then dollar sign parentheses pkg dash config dash dash c flags dash dash libs gstreamer dash 1.0 close parentheses do that and it, it compiles really really fast i mean it's a really really simple application uh what 27 lines or something i said uh and it doesn't have anything i mean it's it's yeah it, it's you'll, you'll see so then if i do my player then centile starts playing straight off of the internet it's really crazy you're just streaming right off the internet just instantly right there i mean Granted, your your um your your the player that you've just written is is a really complex way to watch a trailer, <laughs> but it works and it works exactly as expected. And it's playing over the correct speakers and it's playing on your screen and it's just it's it's amazing. So that is the G Streamer tutorial from Free Desktop. And that's just the hello world. So there's a lot more to G Streamer tutorials. Well worth doing. GST plugins, of which there are several. There's bad, there's base, there's good, there's libav. I think that's all the ones included in Slackware. Yeah, it is. Uh, those uh, add other codecs so that GStreamer can play whatever file types it needs, or you need it to play. And that's, um, you know, for us users, that's the real power because... I don't know about you, but I mean, I end up with all kinds of random media files, and and it's really annoying when you click on it, whether or not you recognize the extension. You click on it, you think this is definitely a media file, and your computer can't play it. That's annoying. GStreamer can help with that. The the plugins for GStreamer add all kinds of functionality to GStreamer, uh, or or I guess functionality, or just sort of the ability to recognize media that otherwise it would not uh, potentially recognize. The the plugin sets um, are 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 sort of this weird like the good, the bad, the ugly thing. Um, the the reason for that is like the base is the uh their well ground well groomed and well maintained collection of GStreamer plugins and elements spanning the range of possible types of elements one would want to write for GStreamer. That doesn't that, that's a weird sentence. It also contains helper libraries and base classes useful for writing other for for new elements. So you've got your video and audio decoders, you've got encoders and several filters apparently. So if you do want to turn something black and white or something, then you can do that. Which 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 is nice. I mean, flexibility is great. the The good package has uh, plugins that have uh, that have been judged to be of good quality, correct functionality, a good license. So they're like LGPL for the plugin code, LPGL or LPGL compatible for supporting library. That's the good package. And then there's the bad. In this case, bad dash free. So these are uh, GStreamer bad plugins. Is a set of plugins that aren't tested well enough or the code is not of good enough quality enough. Uh, they might be close to being good quality, but they're missing something, whether it's a just a code review or documentation or whatever. They get relegated to the bad package because they're not they're not considered up to the standards of GStreamer. And um, 
They also, so the free dash free means that they do have licenses that are okay to ship. Like everyone can ship these things. They're, they're not encumbered by any kind of weird question of patented, you know, liability and stuff like that. And then ugly, I don't remember what that one is. And like I say, it's not included here in, in Slackware. There's also libav, which contains one plugin with a set of elements using the ffmpeg or libav library code. It contains many popular decoders and encoders. So that's kind of interesting. It's just like literally one one set of, uh, it's a plugin for, for one thing. Um, but I imagine that that one thing gives it a heck of a lot. ffmpeg is a really, really powerful uh, library, or, or rather libav, I guess, is, or a codec, whatever it is. Um, I get the terminology confused because there was the FFmpeg libav split for a while. And then what is it just, is it just AV codec? Yeah, that must be what I'm thinking of. Either way, it's a really powerful set of, of libraries. So I guess, I guess probably that one's a really important one to have. And they're all important to have because when you click on some media, you want it to play. And that's what GStreamer is really, really good at. But it's, it's also a great development tool. Um, you know, like you want to ingest video and do something to it. GStreamer is one way you'll be able to do that. It's really, really important. It's, it's a little bit weird because GStreamer is, you know, it's just, it's just a C library. So if you're not writing a C, application, you do possibly need some kind of interface into GStreamer, or, or or you'll have to write a C library yourself and like, and make it, you know, like make an API for your, your, your other language of choice. So that, that can be a little bit cumbersome if, you know, if you're not using C. There, there are good front ends for it, certainly for Python, uh, and I think for Java, maybe, uh, could be I could be misremembering that. Um, but they're there. It's GStreamer. It's great. And as you could see from the tutorial, it's 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 doing a lot. It's doing a lot of work. Like the fact that you can just grab something off the internet and play it in basically 20 lines of code. It was 27, but I mean, there are a lot, there's a bunch of white space in there. So basically 20 lines of code. You're 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 going out to the internet, you're grabbing a you're streaming data from the internet onto your screen in 20 lines of code. That's pretty cool. So check out GStreamer if you're looking to do um, fun multimedia stuff. Let's talk about GTK Plus for a moment. GTK Plus is the Graphical User Interface Toolkit version 1.x. GTK Plus stands for the GIMP Toolkit, no less. GTK, literally created for an application and sort of gave rise to a desktop and a whole suite of applications for that desktop. It's kind of an amazing story, um, which I, I don't have off the top of my head, but but it is it is cool. Look into it sometime. Um, it's a library for creating a graphical user interface for X Windows system. Uh, this library has mostly been replaced, at least by version 2, but there are still some good programs that require it. So that's why GTK Plus is here. If you ever launch, um, I don't know what GTK Plus would be used in, probably something like some kind of CVS application or something, or maybe like a media player, like an old media player. Uh, if you ever launch one of those, you'll you'll probably possibly see a GTK, uh, original GTK uh, application. It looks, you know, pretty pretty funky, pretty pretty old, pretty nineties ish, but um, but good, you know, it works. It, it does it does the job, and that's GTK plus, and then there's GTK plus two, 
GTK plus 3 and GTK 4. I guess they dropped the plus. GTK 4. That's, of course, the, the hyper-modern one. That's the one... Actually, is it hyper-modern? Or are they working on... Surely they're probably working on GTK 5 by now. But yeah, GTK 4 is the latest and greatest. It's the one that GNOME is using right now, today. So that's going to look, you know, really modern and 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 flashy and well subdued really for <laughs> gnome tends to be relatively subdued i find uh and that's it gtk4 so gtk i mean that's that's the cute of the gnome world i mean it 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 provides things like well the a window when you open an application the reason you have an interface a an application that you can see and click on is because of gtk gtk provides Things like widgets, like buttons and menus and drop-down menus and um, combo boxes, like, you know, things that you can enter numbers, you can scroll through numbers on, uh, sliders, radio buttons, all those little things, all the all the sort of the little interface con- con- conventions that we're used to, something has to provide that. And if something doesn't, then a programmer somewhere has to program it themselves. Which is not impossible, but it is burdensome, and in terms of maintenance, it can be difficult. Because, sure, you might think, oh, I'll just program all this stuff myself. It'll be fun. And it might might be fun. You might learn a heck of a lot. But five years from now, are you going to really want to keep that code updated all by yourself? Probably not. So you use a framework that a lot of other people are working on. Then you have all of these assets that you can use, and, and they get updated, so you can... You can add features to your application as features get added to the framework, and so on. So GTK GTK four, of course, uh, is 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 you know really sort of modern in feel, modern looking. It, it they tend to put buttons in weird places, and, and doesn't really make sense to me until you think, well, okay, that button actually on a mobile interface makes a lot of sense up there, and I. I I think there's we're still in the middle of a push and pull there where sometimes you think yeah this is good we're we're moving slowly towards convergence we're moving the buttons up to the upper you know whatever right hand corner left hand corner whatever um but then you think uh it's really dumb because I'm I'm looking at this the application window and uh I I look from top to bottom left to right uh and so when I'm finished my tr- my my journey through this window the natural place my eye ends up at is the bottom right corner so sometimes depending on the context it seems in especially in gtk a button might be in the bottom right because that's kind of where you're ending up or it might be in the upper left because that's where one might imagine it would be on a mobile interface i don't know that we found a comfortable sort of convention there uh and and like i say it, it seems to happen more in the gtk world for some reason i don't know if that's part of the human interface guidelines that they do or what but it it is kind of interesting and strange and different but also i mean it it kind of feels right in a weird way i mean yeah the interfaces are different they're they're notably different uh the way that we use the 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 screens of different sizes is i think a lot more different than you would possibly think it would be and yeah i think we're still discovering that as a as sort of a species of computer users um just the fact that in an application quite possibly just the act of moving your cursor all the way from the bottom right corner where you've been using the little slider elevator to scroll through a document 
all the way up to the upper left where there's a button to continue or even to the upper right that that takes a lot of time and effort and it feels like such a chore to get all the way from here to there so why put the button there why not put it back down there where it belongs um i i and, and then why is it that different like from a a a, a, a desktop screen or a laptop screen and a little phone uh, screen. Well, it's different because the phone screen is like something that you're just thumbing through. You're just controlling literally with your thumb or your, your forefinger, and the screen is a completely different interface. But there are touch screens now, so maybe that's a little bit something different. Lots of factors, and I think GNOME is kind of on the cutting edge of trying to bridge that gap, at least on Linux, and I'm not sure that that's um, a, a comfortable... I, I don't know if that's a super comfortable place to be. I think that that can be that can be a difficult place to be, but they're doing it. They're doing it bravely, and I admire them uh, for what they do. GTK MM2 uh, and GTK MM3. Well, we've already learned that MM is a shorthand in this world for C++, and sure enough, GTK MM is the official C++ interface for the popular. GUI library GTK++, and of course there's the GTK MM3 as well uh, for different versions. So if you're programming in C++, then you have then you have uh, the 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 yeah an interface in GDK. So I think I think there's probably a question of why you would choose C++ when you've got all the glib libraries behind C. And I mean, there are lots of reasons, you know, there are lots of features within C++ that might make you choose C++ over C. But I'm wondering if the reason there is such an emphasis on C for GNOME, I mean, aside from legacy, uh, is just because of of all the glib features that they have and the g object stuff i mean they've they've really developed c into a a different feeling language than you know just pure c and i don't know i, I don't know i mean i i'm not i've never really given gtk much of a thought to be honest this is the most i've thought about it just going through these library files so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I wonder how many people are using C++ with the GNOME, uh, you know, um, libraries. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, next up is GTK Source View. This is a framework for so- source code editing. Uh, it's a portable C library that extends the standard GTK Plus framework for multi-line text editing. So this is a little bit like uh, what, what is it? K K part uh, K what is it? K text edit K text editor, whatever that one component of the KDE framework was that provides the interface for, um, for Kate and for KWrite and for KDevelop, you know, that there's that widget, right? That just does, it just does it all. And, and once you know that it exists, you start seeing it in a bunch of different KDE applications and you're just like, oh, I, I know that interface. That's the Kate interface. Um, I think it might even be called the Kate part. I, I could be, but didn't they like break that out? I think they broke that out. Either way, that's what this is, except it's in the GNOME world. It's the GTK source view uh, library. So you could use that. You could, you could, you could crank out a text editor relatively quickly with GTK source view. You, you and the advantage there is just like with Kate, uh, the, the Kate library thing. Um, you don't have to worry about things like um, undoing. Like, how, how do you do the undo? Well, it's already built in. It's in GDK source view. How do you do uh, copy and paste? Or how do I 
blank the window when I open a new document. All of that stuff is just, it's just options in GTK source view. GTK spell, I'm trying to get through the G's here. GTK, and we're very, very close. GTK spell is a, um, it's a highlighting library for misspelled words within GTK text view widget. So you right click on it, it pops up a menu of suggested replacements, and you've got built-in um, spell check, which is huge. People won't use it, but it's huge. I mean, that's such a such a luxury on a computer. My goodness, that's so nice. Um, and then finally, last but not least, is the GVFS. That's the GLib Virtual File System, and this is a virtual, uh, a user space virtual file system designed to work with the I/O abstraction of libgio. I don't really know where this appears on Slackware, but on the GNOME desktop, if you ever have a chance to use it, uh, you can open up the files application and then go to the sort of, uh, what is it, the uh, other places option over on the left panel. You click on that, and then at the bottom of your file manager window, there's a little form that you could fill out, and or, or is it a drop-down menu? It's a drop-down menu, I think. And you can choose what protocol you want to use to get to some other file system. So this is where you would go to access an NFS share or a Samba share or another computer on your network. So if you have SSH ability onto, you know, if you're on your laptop and you, you want to SSH to your server, you go to other places or other locations, whatever they call it, and then you, you, you would select maybe SF. TP. It's, I don't know why it's SFTP and not just like SSH, but I guess, I guess maybe because on KDE, you just use fish, which is like file system over SSH or something like that. Um, but I guess, or at least you did. Do you just use, I, I think either way, I think it's technically using fish in the, on the, on the back end. Um, but on GNOME, yeah, you just use SFTP, but it's a super, like, don't be put off by the archaic FTP part there. It's, it's it's really nice. It's really fluid. You you SSH into your whatever your, your computer, your server, whatever, and and suddenly like your file manager is and it so basically it mounts as if though it's a file system. It it, it becomes a mount over on the on the left panel of your file manager. You can click on that and you see all your folders there. You can open documents transparently you'll never know that it's on another computer it works a treat i i do it i all the time i've got my desktop in my office but sometimes i go out into the lounge uh, with my laptop especially in the winter when it's really really cold uh, i go out there by the fireplace and just sit on my laptop and well i don't sit on my laptop i sit by the fire with my laptop in my lap and i access my desktop over this uh this gnome file other places virtual file system it becomes a virtual file system in my file manager I can open up PDFs, I can open up EPUBs, I can open up text documents and Emacs and edit them, save them right back to the the system from which they came. Absolutely transparent. It's really, really nice. I mean, no nicer than the same thing on KDE. I'm just saying it works. It works as, as you would hope it to work. And that's a virtual file system because it's not really, it's not actually accessing that file system. It's not mounting that file system uh, the way that a root user would would attach the file system and, and all that. This is a fuse-based virtual file system that is hot pluggable. You mount it as if though it's basically a USB thumb drive, but it's not really. It's it's doing all that through some some protocol. That's GF, GVFS. And yeah, it's, it's, it's priceless. It's really, really useful. Uh, sometimes you'll need, um, to install 
you know, protocol like drivers for file systems. That that is something to be aware of. Haven't had to do it on Slackware, but on other things, sometimes a, a, a driver for a file system won't be compiled into your kernel, won't be loaded, whatever. You might have to install it. So if you ever get a, an error on another distro related to that, it's probably the file system driver. Otherwise, GVFS is yeah, really really nice, really useful. Um, and that's all the G's. That's all the G section uh, in the library uh, division of the Slackware packages, which is actually really exciting because there were a lot of them <laughs> with all the um, all the GTK stuff. That I just feel like that was quite a lot. So next episode we'll do the H's, and I think we'll actually get through all of the H's, and then onto the I's, and you know the alphabet stuff. So uh, that's it, I think, for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not Klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted. Until next time, thanks for listening, and keep the source open. Stay here, stand still, and be quiet, please.